0: You're listening to the iRacer's Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing
1: in a casual
0: setting. Enjoy.
1: Welcome to the iRacer's Lounge. I'm your host, Jeffrey Walton. iRacer's Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chewy, side 55, Carlos, Jamie, Martin, special guest, Hammer. Well, Hammer, uh, when did you start iRacing and how did you hear about it?
2: Well, this is actually the second time I've been on the iRacers Lounge. I don't know, maybe the third time now. So, I guess everybody probably knows my story. But I've been on, on, racing, on iRacing since 2011. Um, I don't really race very often, but I'm, you know, I take care of, I guess, uh, look after probably about 15 to 20 guys on No Excuses Racing. Uh, most of what we do is oval racing. Uh, getting ready for the big NIS series. Looking forward to that. I've got a G27. I've been running the G27 forever. Run on a single 144 monitor and on a supercomputer built for broadcasting. Uh, I used to participate in a lot of leagues. I've probably been on six different ones. Um, PRN, Premier Race Network, was my favorite. Uh, I use a lot of third-party software. I could go on and on about it. And... Um, Again, I'm manager of No Excuses Racing, and I just quick holler out to some of our big sponsors there. Malona McBroom and uh, Universal Forest Products, EVGA, and uh, you can check us out at No Excuses Racing Facebook page. Thanks for having me again.
1: Oh, thank you for being here.
2: So what's on the agenda this week, boys?
1: Well, well so we got plans showing up. We'll go ahead and uh, get into this immersion for the uh virtual reality. Evening guys. Good evening, Lance. How's it going buddy? Glad you can make it here safe.
0: Yeah, the uh the roads are a little bit
1: icy here where I live. I live in the uh, great frozen white north, so uh it, uh it they can get pretty slick. That's right. Um so somebody posted on forums about virtual reality, and they said, question about immersions and using Oculus. How does one get by without seeing controls on the wheel button boxes or the keyboard? And Lance, that's why uh, I'd like you to talk about that. You, I know you have a virtual reality setup. Yeah. So um, w- what they call it in the virtual reality community is uh,
0: drive or fly by Braille and Braille. Uh, basically whenever you've got your headset on you're cut off from everything outside of outside of your headset so if you've got a button box um it behooves you to know you know by feeling it what uh, what controls do what and um that's that's like i said that's what we call driving by braille and it can be it can be challenging
2: you know i, I don't have vr but i found that uh, even without the VR, I'd never look away from the screen for anything and I have a set of buttons on the G twenty seven I know exactly one of the first things I did was memorize what every single button did and I minimize the amount of buttons. So I gotta imagine in VR that you're doing the same thing. You know, you've gotta have a set of key buttons that allow you to get as like a gateway to other things, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. I, I don't I don't touch my keyboard at all. Unless um, unless I have to, you know, escape out of the race. But even then, I've got uh, I've got a reset button mapped to. Uh, I have I have one of the great big uh, DSD designs, um, track boss uh, button boxes with a ton of buttons on it. So it takes a while to memorize what everything is, uh, but once you get it, it's no problem.
2: Muscle memory, right? Keep your seat in the same place. Keep the button box in the same place. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. And even even in like a real race car, uh, you've got um, you've got to be able to know where everything is. If say the cockpit is filled with smoke, so if you roll your car over, you need to be able to just by memory reach out and hit your kill switch and shut off all the switches you need to. I mean, that one kill switch should do it. But uh, yeah, they do the same thing in, in even monster trucks. They that's part of their. Uh, their test before they get their license. They have to close their eyes, reach out, put their hands on all the controls.
2: Fire extinguisher being the key as a fire extinguisher is a key one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fire extinguisher and the kill switch are the two, two big things. But, mm-hmm. but like, like I said, as long as you keep everything in, in the right, in the same spot all the time, and you have a basic uh, memory of, of what all your switches do based on feel, um, you should be fine. I, I know the, uh, the DSD button box that I have, it has toggles up top. It has um, the little small uh, buttons on the second row. On the third row, it has the big, big buttons. And on the bottom row, it's got another row of uh, the little small buttons. So it's pretty easy to feel out what you, what you need to hit.
1: Lance, do you use the VR for iRacing? I don't remember if you do or don't. I do, uh, I use it for iRacing. I use it
0: for, um, I play a space, uh, game called Elite Dangerous that I use it for that. Um, but that's, that's about all I use it for. I don't use it for like the whole room experience. I just, I do a seated experience cause this uh, racing rig that I've got takes up most of my office.
3: Hey Lance, I have a question about your, your virtual reality. So for somebody like maybe that's just getting into it and just getting, uh, has just bought themselves a virtual reality headset. How long did it take you to get used to being completely closed off um, from being able to see anything in peripheral or anything like that?
0: Um, the the peripheral loss was the biggest thing at first, but you kind of learn to keep your head on a swivel and uh, and look around with your head rather than just your eyeballs, and you, you get used to it pretty fast. And it's it's really nice being able to look over and see a car and actually have some depth perception, um, being able to tell how far away it is from, from yours, but, uh, how long it took me, um, probably a couple of weeks of, of trial and error. Uh, my first
1: couple of races were, um, they didn't go so well. Um, somebody, Russ Lowe had posted, or uh, or had copied somebody else's post that they said, go sit in the driving seat of your car. Uh, while completely pissed so everything is blurry, look around. Your virtual system, your visual system will report exactly the same experience in virtual reality. I don't know of a better way to describe it than to say that you are there. there. Um, the fidelity of the visuals is not as good, and the field of view is smaller than real life. But once those aspects catch up and computer graphics become uh, truly photorealistic, the visual experience will be indis- indistinguishable. Is that the way you feel about it, Lance? Or... I do. I look at
0: uh, the VR technology like, uh, like I do any other computer technology. Um, you're going to have 18 to 24 months between new iterations of, of the tech and pixel density right now is, is the problem. You've got, um, they can only cram so many pixels with, with current technology in, in the, a small area, like a screen that's sitting two inches from your face. Um, so as as organic LED technology improves, the pixel density will improve, and graphics will sharpen up.
2: Okay.
0: With uh, as it come when it when you're talking about uh, peripheral view and um, like a, just a wider angle of view, uh, that'll catch up as well. They're eventually going to have lens technology that uh, allows you to have 180 degrees of uh, peripheral view.
1: Do you feel like you've improved with virtual reality versus triple screens or a single screen? I, you know, a little bit,
0: um, being able to tell where you are on the track, it, it's, it's a whole different thing. The, what surprised me was how, how, uh, whenever you're racing, say like Daytona, Daytona feels really narrow on three screens. But when you get into virtual reality and you actually see how much distance because you I mean, you have depth perception you can tell you can be at the top of the track and look down to the bottom and it looks like it's 30 60 feet away um, with with triple screens you just didn't get that kind of depth perception. so it really it, it gives you a better idea of how much space you have to work with.
1: Okay.
3: I'll even say with uh, triple screens, like saying what, because uh, I have triples, I don't have virtual reality, but I've noticed what exactly what Lance has talked about the first couple of days that I had triples. It took me forever to realize the amount of distance and actually how close somebody was because it always felt like to me they're right beside me with triples because it almost gives it a different feel like they're really, really close.
0: Yep. And then, like I said, that all boils down to uh, depth perception.
2: Okay. Well,
3: that's always interesting, though.
2: I can tack on quick. I was mentioning to the guys before we got on here that um, we're using – I work in the architectural engineering construction, AEC Civil, and uh, we're using augmented reality, which is not quite VR, but there's a, kind of two platforms. You can use the virtual reality with the full goggles and immerse yourself into a model of a building in a gaming engine. So this, you know, I'll come back to this in a minute. But essentially, we're creating um, Studio Max models or Civil uh, 3D content, engineering type stuff, architecture stuff. And then what we're doing is similar to wearing VR goggles and eye racing. We're using um, VR goggles to walk around the inside of a, a school. <laughs> And we give those to a client. We could give those to a client and say, here you go. Um, you know, in the industry, uh, not necessarily specifically, but in the industry, that this happens where you hand your client a set of the VR goggles and they walk around their future school as a model. Wow. The other thing is you can do is you can do this thing where you take the model and you go out, say, and you're walking down a street when you have an iPad in your hand, you can see all the utilities on the iPad that are underneath the ground because the model is taking precedence over the ground. And the iPad is using the camera to show you the ground and then a GPS system to locate the utilities from a place. So you can actually see what's beneath the ground without digging a hole. So it's not just iRacing that's doing this or sim racing or gaming. I know it's a big thing in gaming, but it, it's validated. In my mind because huge industries you know billion dollars huge (laughs) contractors are using this um it's pretty amazing stuff so in that light if you look at the context that you know i-racing and sim racing is a small part of this but the technology is only going to get better the clarity is going to get better the pixels and everything are going to get better uh the the diversity of the providers and the equipment is going to get better and cheaper. So, you know, we're in infancy, maybe just past infancy here. And I'm looking forward to it. And I have, I'm looking forward to getting this out of my rig and that's why I haven't gone to triple monitors, but it's pretty cool stuff.
0: I would even go so far as to say that it's still kind of in the experimental phase. Um, they're, they're trying to find ways around um, motion sickness and uh, other other problems that people have with uh, with these systems motion signals being the biggest one um, a lot of people just can't strap on this headset because every every one of us has been in a car every one of us knows what it feels like to be in a car and when you're sitting on a solid stationary uh seat and mr eyes tells you you're driving and mr body disagrees Sometimes that can that can turn out bad.
2: My sister sat down onto my rig here, and actually, so did my mom. And my my brother didn't get sick, but my sister swore that she was going to get sick. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, but you got to just look at the road like you're really driving. So it took her a little while, but once she came around to it, she was fine. One of the things I've heard about the VR goggles is the glasses problem. Like, a lot of people wear glasses, and I hate contacts. I think you can get lenses for them, but that's another market. It'll be interesting to see if there'll be companies, you know, making custom lenses like ski goggles type things.
0: Yep, they already are. They're available for the Oculus and, uh, and the HTC Vive. Um, there's, there's a couple of outfits that make them
3: for, uh, for each headset.
2: Oh, that's good to know. Thanks.
3: That's definitely some interesting stuff right there. As someone who doesn't have virtual reality, but is kind of kicking it around, I think it's something I may consider when I start uh, going to upgrade my current rig. I wouldn't recommend
0: it as, like, your primary mode of gaming. I mean, even though that's kind of been my primary mode of gaming for the last uh, uh, several months. um, But... Just to just to bite off that kind of investment for one or two things is is tough to swallow unless you've got that kind of disposal cap disposable capital just kind of laying
3: around. Okay, that's some good information. I guess I've never I I thought about it, but I've never really made the swing. And I know it is fairly pricey. I I, mean, I do like triples. It take me forever to get used to them but I am looking at upgrading stuff. So as someone is probably looking to upgrade, it might be something I might consider in the future, but I'm not sure as of right now, if that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, my, uh, my gaming is, is more, uh,
0: just, uh, games where, where I'd be able to actually use the Vive. I mean, I don't do much aside from, from iRacing and Elite Dangerous. So, I use it a lot. I mean, I've almost got a permanent stamp around my
1: eyes where the where the cushion sits on my face. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have to do any upgrades? I'm sure people are listening to the podcast. So maybe some will want to know, maybe some don't. But with the virtual reality headsets, do you have to do any upgrades to your computer where they could run the virtual reality? Graphics cards, or are they are they built-in internal graphics cards with the virtual reality headsets? You're gonna want. Um, I don't. I don't know a whole lot
0: about uh, AMD graphics cards. I. I, I kind of. I veer away from them myself. I just don't like them. They have combated, too many compatibility issues.
2: Come and on, I don't, come on. I, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I tell you, and I hate. I hate the Catalyst software with a passion. Oh, Start so, Stars so,
2: flying, Lance.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I. I use. I use Nvidia stuff. And you need at least um, a GTX 970 to run with any kind of frame rate um, in in any game that you're going to need, uh, that you want VR for. You also want a, uh, it seems like the, pro- the sweet spot for, uh, for getting a processor is something that runs at uh, 4 gigahertz.
2: I got two R290s uh, AMDs, so... In fairness, I use nothing but Nvidia at work, <laughs> K4000 cards and everything because that's what Autodesk products really want to see. But I also run the full Adobe Creative Cloud suite here on my AMD cards, and for my money, I'm actually doing better with the AMD cards than I am my 4000K card at my office. But the uh, and both of them have 4790K, or is that what it is? So 4790K. Uh, chip in them, yeah. yeah the, they both my work computer, and my home computer, both have those. They're HPs 290s or something. But the I'm running Crossfire on two R290s, which are getting on two years old now. And I thought I heard that those were the minimum that you needed for VR for AMD people, but somebody would have to confirm that.
0: I'm I'm fairly certain that those are just about equivalent to the uh,
2: GTX 970s. Yeah, they perform that way in all the benchmark tests, so.
3: Yeah, as you going to say, the benchmarkings of the 290 is very comparable to the uh, 970.
0: See, I'm still running a uh, 9, 980 Ti, and I've got a slight overclock on it. But I do run an AMD processor. Um, I just upgraded to the uh, 80, 8370, I think, which is the highest that my motherboard currently supports. Um, I would have liked to run the, uh, the higher end card that runs hot and you have to have liquid cooling for it. But, uh, but I'm doing pretty well with what I've got. Um, The only, the shortfall is with the graphics cards, you can, you can tweak some settings in your configuration file for your, uh, for your virtual reality system and actually sharpen the image. You can tell it to render at a higher, uh, a higher level than, uh, than it's, really supposed to, and that'll sharpen up a lot of uh, a lot of the blurriness that people are seeing in the headset.
2: You can turn off the anti alias settings for sure.
0: It's not anti-aliasing. It's actually called
2: super sampling, but yeah, uh, a, it, it works the AMD, same way. That's what we call it anyway. The, you, when you increase the super sampling, it inc- increases the anti-aliasing, I guess. That's, at least that's how I understand it. I could be wrong. Yeah, it smooths. It
0: it does the same thing. It smooths out those uh, jagged and, and blurry edges.
2: Yeah, I run it on super sampling when I can, but sometimes the night tracks, even with two cards in here, sometimes the, all those headlights and stuff can be really brutal. Anyway, so it sounds like a two ninety and a nine eighty. You said.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think uh, like a nine a nine seventy. You could get away with running the nine seventy uh, or a two ninety. But uh, you really want uh, you want a lot of RAM. You want at least 16 gigs of RAM and um, a processor that uh, has uh, 4 gigahertz at least per core.
2: Cool. That was a great piece. Nice yeah. Job. What's up next, Jamie?
3: Well, I guess we had the infamous E-Race that was held in Vegas last week. And I'm sure everybody kind of knows a little bit about it already, but uh, I'll kind of go into a little bit of what the article – had said, but I'm not going to read it word for word. Um, that they had the the first annual Vegas e, e- sim race, uh, which you know had a lot of sim racing fans excited. Uh, they used the R Factor platform, which means there was a lot of stuff that they that they can do on there as far as tracks, cars, are all modded. So the tracks that they the track they actually did was a spin-off. It was actually R-Factor 2 software. And the track that they did the spin-off was um, they did it this way so it could only be a one-time track, so no one could get any practice on it. And they released the track, I think, I believe it was like a day or two before so people could get some practice on it. But that was it. Um, there was a lot of comments about that during the race, about Uh, The R-Factor 2, um, graphics kind of looked kind of not as clean, as good as some other, um, other platforms out there. Um, but they, like I said, they used this because they knew they could mod tracks, but also, I'm actually surprised they couldn't have done something within a set of Corsa because obviously, because you, you can mod in that as well. But as far as the race goes, uh, sound like there was a, definitely some drama within the race, um. I'm not going to pronounce names because I'm afraid I'm going to absolutely butcher a few of them. But there was a fan boost issue, which you're only supposed to have for, I believe, uh, five seconds. And Ollie, uh, that's what I'll use his name as, uh, he ended up having this for five laps. And when the guys pitted on lap 15, he not only caught them, but drove by them and drove around them like they were standing still. Um, So then, obviously, after the race, there was an investigation and... Uh, they found that, you know, there was a software issue. There was a hiccup there and he was uh, demoted to third. I believe his teammate actually was promoted with the win because he uh, came home second uh, to him when they came across the line. So I'd like to get a couple of people's opinions of what you think. Um, you know, is this good press for sim racing? Is it going to be something that we could see in the future? Or is it kind of maybe kind of like a, kind of a kick in the teeth for sim racing just because of a software issue. Um what do you guys think?
1: I don't know about the fan boost. I I mean think about it. Look at the antifreeze uh Peak series that runs. You know, imagine them having a fan boost or something like that. I, I don't agree with the fan boost. Um I run with your you know what I mean?
3: Well I believe this is something that they get in the real race cars, uh, it's like a, almost like a push to pass type deal, uh, where it gives them a, a boost of basically just a boost. Cause these are not, uh, combustion engines. These are run off of, uh, battery driven. Um, so it's just kind of interesting to see exactly how this unfolded. But I mean, you know, I don't know if, to me, I think it's a good thing for sim racing, even though there was a software, glitch. I think it still brings it to the forefront that this, something could, to, that could potentially could potentially happen in the future if I can stop tripping over my words here.
1: I do like the press it got. I do like the fact that um, you're seeing it more and more in, in the telecast. Like I know with NASCAR, they use the on the TV they use the iRacing for showing track uh, lines and things like that. You got the people, you know, that ran the, the eSIM race. Uh, I think it was like, what, I know the winner got 200000 Um I mean, it, I wouldn't mind. I, mean, I like the fact that they're getting press. Um, I think iRacing might jump on board with this and provide something for these guys. I, I don't know.
2: One of the things that, <clears throat> you know, it's it's easy to look at it as, you know, it was this platform versus this platform. We're, we're kind of talking about it from an racing point of view. I think not all of us are. I know Carlos uh, ventures into other Sims. I've really only ever... Go ahead, Carlos. I did, um, weren't you on PlayStation for like a period of time not long ago? Didn't you say that, Beth? Somebody was taking a breakout out. Either way, it's possible that people, you know, play on a set of Corso or R-Factor or even have experience with it. I don't. I came straight from PlayStation to iRacing. So I've been on a set of Corso at the Autodesk University um, camp out there. They had a, a set of Corso out there. and we did a pretty cool thing out there—a competition. But that's my only exposure to it. But for the for the good of sim racing as an entire genre or an industry, you know, it's to back away from it and say, well, maybe a single platform and focusing on the single platform or the developer isn't the way to go. You know, maybe if there was an overall body, sanctioning body, you know, an entrepreneur who created and overseeing all of electronic sim racing then all of the developers could do what we call a low bid proposal or submittals and qualifications. There'd be minimum qualifications. And then some event that happens like this has iRacing competing against R factor, competing against a set of course, so, you know, against all these. And whoever comes with the most qualification meets the minimum qualifications and has the best, you know, fee associated with that. They get the job. But what that does is instead of just kind of cherry picking, and I'm not saying that's what happened here, but it looks like there could have been more of a process. And I think that that would have ensured a higher quality event took place. Because you can't just come in and have those kind of technical problems because somebody else next time is going to do it right. There's just a lot to be gained as an industry having developers work together in some ways, but also compete against each other. Just because iRacing has the best user, whatever, doesn't mean that a set of course it doesn't have the best whatever else. So if we can get the best of all the different developers to work together under our sanctioning body, and treat it like an actual organization with a bunch of parts suppliers, I think that to me that kind of structure makes this kind of event much more successful.
3: Yeah, I was kind of thinking this along the same lines, and I'll actually tie in because actually I, I used to run. A lot of our factor um mainly i'm i'm a dirt oval guy i've come from a lot of dirt racing background, so you know that that's where i had to go to get that but what you're saying there hammer is probably the biggest thing that i was kind of thinking along the same lines is just figuring out a way we could tie it all together make it work and everybody um would have you know basically submitting a submittal and in one of the best qualifications, they got the job, just like you stated. I think that's uh, probably the best answer I've heard out of all of this, and I was actually kind of thinking the same thing uh, the other day when I read all when I read all this information. Uh,
2: you know, the International Sim Racing Federation is starting something like this. They're trying to organize sim racers worldwide. A uh, big credit to Matt Dalton for throwing that out in a reply to my forum post, the ISR Federation. I went immediately and signed up to that, and volu- I'm trying to volunteer there, hoping to hear back from them. But um, Apex UK, uh, Apex Racing UK, if I can say it right, those guys have quite an organization in the United Kingdom, and they're well, well-run, well-organized. And I know Matt Dalton, who kind of operates, you know, the NASCAR side of it. And it would be interesting to see something like that happen for all of sim racing and not just for iRacing. racing.
3: No, it'd be very interesting. I would I think a lot of us could agree that would be a a very positive step in sim racing.
2: Still though, they say that any press is good press. So I'm an optimist. I see the plus in it. I mean, uh, what do you guys think? Is it the press is good press, right?
3: <laughs>
1: yes, I agree.
3: I think so. I mean, I think it brought it to the forefront. I I think um we were talking about this the other night um, through text messages and on Facebook Messenger and you know, we even got the I even said, you know, as you know, bring a sim race to the forefronts great because I mean, if you get TBS, they have if anyone's familiar with Counter-Strike or Counter-Strike Go, they have Counter-Strike Go tournaments I and mean, the best teams held worldwide on TBS at I think it's like 10 o'clock at night. So, I mean, I think if we can do, if, you know, an event like this can start bringing the racing portion and bring that more to the forefront as well, I think it's I think it's a huge step. I mean, even though, yeah, there was a software glitch, but I still think it's, it's a good thing for sim racing. And it's still, it was an ex- exceptional thing to happen for all of us that enjoy doing this. That would be fun. And
2: yeah, just imagine the end pass. You know, the peak antifreeze guys with a well organized and well run karaoke. I mean, it's not a show per se, but the, them and the um, the DWC road guys or the Aussie V8 series. I mean, it's just you need. The, one of my points was is that iRacing has a following, a set of it has a following, everybody has their niche following. That's kind of great and kind of a problem. If we had everybody under one organization, so to speak, or all of us kind of quit infighting with the different developers and says, hey, you know, good for them. That's cool. We're cool. They're cool. Let's get together and make something bigger out of this. That goes places. Right now, it's kind of like fighting with your brother over bread.
3: Yeah. I Nobody I, gives a
2: damn about the bread right now.
3: I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, I I think there's... I, I know for... I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of the people that have played other sim racing titles too i'm sure there's some exceptional sim racers that we don't see on the iRacing servers that are probably playing a different platform and it would be really cool to see if there was a way to merge that all together and make every you know every sim racer obviously run under the same banner or the same association this way you could see some of the um maybe some of the better sim racers that are that are playing a different platform I mean, that maybe as far as people that run iRacing strictly have never seen. And the same goes with they play Project Cars or SETO or even R-Factor.
1: Alright, moving on to the next topic. We have a new fuel calculator that is voice control. Hevia, um, I believe I'm saying his name correctly. I apologize if I didn't. Um, he in the forum post, he used Google Translator to write this. Um, it works with the following steering wheels, and that would be the Plusmaster TX, 300, Fanatec G27, G25, 920, Driving Force GT, Fanatec CSWV1, Fanatec rim, rim Standalone USB Conversion PCB. Um, so now you'll be able to push a button. Um, from my understanding, um, ask it um, to for your pitting in, um, changing tires, adjusting air pressure, strength um, of field in the room, uh, how many laps it takes the average of the last five laps, gives you your average for your fuel, um, and it also does for the. Uh, we were about the uh, time to races. It allows you roughly how many laps you have left of the race. Um, I have not used it to um, downloading this because it is free. Um, and it seems this gentleman has definitely put his time and energy into making it um, an actual very good tool to use in racing. Uh, he also does comment, if someone uses it with a steering wheel that is not in the list, it would be helpful that they let him know about it so he can add it to the list um, for which wheels it has been tested. If it does not work, I can send a data capture app to try to see the wheel, send, in, try to see the wheel, I guess, sending send in data, try to add a code so he can make your wheel work for it. Do um, you have a fuel factor app, guys, or uh, piggyback for racing.
3: I just downloaded it, so. Um... I want to give it a shot this week. Try it out. And maybe uh, one of the later podcasts, maybe I can kind of report back on what I think of it. Positives, negatives. Um, seems like a really, seems like a pretty pretty solid uh, third-party uh, software that I'm kind of interested in using.
2: Yeah, I'll share it with the teammates here. we got 20 guys or something. I'll see what we come up with. Maybe one of us will download it and give it a go. What's up next?
3: Next? is, uh, the NASCAR PK Antifreeze series has just released their new, uh, schedule and their, um, their, I guess their format of the chase. So looks to be, it's going to be a, uh, tw- going to be a, tw- uh, weeks one through 12 be a regular season. And then after week 12, the top eight drivers and points will be entered into the chase. Each of these eight drivers who qualify for the chase grid start with 2,000 points. Plus, they get three points per win earned during the first, during the first 12 regular season races. Uh, once the bonus points and everything are added, the drivers will be ranked in order and the points will be uh, in the reset version of their points. They did note that any incident or penalty during the regular season will carry on through the ch- through the chase um, there'll be round one of the chase will go through week 13 and 15 so that would be uh, Darlington through it that round will include Darlington Chicago and Dover um, a win by any of these eight chase participants in race 13, 14, 15 promotes them obviously automatically into round two. Uh, this is assuming that drivers do not accumulate enough incident points uh, that would suspend their driver from the final race. And then uh, chase competitors will, that enter either of the round chase must start all chase races to be eligible for the championship. Week 16 will obviously be the finale, which will be at Homestead Speedway on October the 10th. And it says it'll be the top four competitors in the Chase will compete for the championship. Top four competitors could qualify for round two, and the Chase will start with the final uh, finals. will all be set at 3,000 points with no additional bonuses. highest Highest finishing finisher, or highest finishing driver in the top four of the Chase uh will win the NASCAR peak and series championship. Um seems pretty interesting. Seems like they're kinda following a similar structure of NASCAR. Uh I know Hammer, you have a uh you have you know basically run a team. So what do you what's your opinions on this of a chase type format? Do you, do you think this is something we will ever see? I don't I can't see how it'd be implemented in NIS, but is there anything what do you think of this?
2: Oh I I don't I guess I don't I don't know how the if this would work in NIS. I think that we actually did something like this in the first year at NIS. I thought there was a chase. I don't remember in fourteen or if there was or not, but there was a year where the chase was actually the pro series and that's what got you into the uh DWC and then it reverted back and there was a bunch of back and forth. I think that a lot of this comes from NASCAR. The, how this gets structured in the N-Pass series, the Peak series, there is a, a a long distance or some kind of a distance, you know, between them and the NIS series. So, I don't, I don't really even want to speculate whether or not it would happen in there or not. I would like to see it that way, but in some ways, I kind of like it without the chase. You know, it's um. kind of traditional the way nascar used to be there's something to be said for that but to me i could go either way i don't know if we'll see it or not but honestly i think the best way to try to understand this is go to the uh, forums and read the uh the write-up on it because it's hard to understand what's going on just by listening
3: yeah it's a bit different and trying to read it kind of what they had written was a was a little difficult to to capture my mind um, just because it's a, I guess, a abbreviated or more shortened version, so it's, it's something that's a little bit different.
2: Yeah, they're they're still in a chase format. They're giving everybody a, a group of points, and then there's ways for you to get more points and ways for you to get knocked out. <laughs>
3: yeah. Any other thoughts on this? Um, I know from a traditionalist point of view, I currently am not a huge fan of the chase in NASCAR, but um, I would rather see it just be left alone. I kind of like the, the season-long grind format, just see who, who's, who's the most consistent over the year. But any other thoughts or opinions on it? Yeah. <laughs> yep.
1: How often will they change their rules based on when NASCAR changes their rules? Because they, I read that NASCAR has come out with a new tire rule for the cup guys.
2: Well, my gut says that iRacing wants to do the tire rule. And they want to do the tire stuff, but they don't have that uh, capability at the moment. I don't. I wouldn't read anything into that. It's just my gut says that they want to do it, but they can't do it right now. And there's a lot of complexity in doing that. They have so many other things they're trying to get done, and not. I mean, I just wouldn't. I'm saying that, but that's my opinion. They're not saying that, just to be clear. I don't think we will see that for you know a long time. That's that's a lot of work. Right. We did it in a league uh, last week. I was mentioning how we did tire limits when the NIS changes came up in discussion. And it can be done. It works in a league. I've been in an an environment that did that for two years. But it's just, it's a whole different atmosphere. And uh, NIS and Open Series try to be very inclusive. So you got to keep that in mind. But this looks good. I'm glad to see. In my mind, I'm not involved in the N pass directly, but I think that uh, this is good to see stuff like this transferring over from NASCAR. All right.
1: Well, the next topic we have is in one week, 24 hours of Daytona. Um, I believe Tyfose is going to have one car. I believe Carlos, um, he's the one that does all the scheduling. Um, I'm not exactly sure how many we're going to have, but I know of at least one car we're going to have 24 hours of Daytona in a week, we're doing one or two cars. All right, guys, y'all hear it here. We're looking for drivers. Send your application in. I get a team together, another car for 24 hours of lemons. I mean, I'm sorry, 24 hours of Daytona. (laughs) I'm sorry. I used to race lemons. Sorry. (laughs) Man, that is so much fun doing that.
3: Yeah, I've never participated in the 24 hours I was really hoping to this year, but it's kind of looking like my work schedule is going to be, uh, going to be permitting me from or prohibiting me from participating this year, which is kind of a bummer. Well, I guess it kind of ties into the next one. Next topic here is, uh, we, uh, we have the, uh, um, what mo- what, what special event in racing are you guys most looking forward to? And I kind of want everybody's opinion on this because there's you'll obviously always hear different uh, different ones, but I, I do see they have a uh, Nuremberg ring of 24 hours, obviously they Daytona 24-hour. So seems like we're getting a few more endurance races this year.
1: The special events, I think, I love them. Um, I've yet to partake in them. But I like seeing the way our team comes together to do that. Um, I hope at one point soon I will be able to jump in board with them. And at that point in time, if we're all racing together as a team, it doesn't matter what event it is.
3: I think, and I'm not much, I don't run the indie cars too often, but I'm definitely, for whatever reason, I, Indianapolis 500 time, I always get a little amped up. And I don't know why but I'm definitely looking forward to that weekend of May 19th through the 22nd. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. It always is. Seems like there's always a great participation for it too. Um, I'm definitely, that's the one I'm most looking forward to from my perspective.
2: (laughs) I'm really looking forward to the 24 hours of Daytona for probably the first time. It was pretty cool last year, but we are filling up a prototype team and a, um, gt series car the mercedes and the corvette and our guys are proper fast it's going to feel somewhat bad not to brag but we're going to be seated in a low split because we don't do a lot of road racing but i think it's going to be if we don't wreck the car and destroy the thing <laughs> we have a really good shot at a win wherever our uh, no excuses boys put that prototype The guys in the Benz are working really hard. I've not seen our guys put so much effort into the road racing side of the service. They've been doing hosted practices. We've been working a lot. Paints. It's uh, pretty awesome.
3: I think it's cool just because you get a bunch of guys that come together and they get to race with each other for literally for 24 hours and get to do it in shifts. I know there's a few crazy individuals out there that do it all by themselves, which there's no way I could even try to even think about doing that.
2: I was all set up to...
3: Yeah, it's what? Approximately probably a little over four hours? Or, yeah.
2: That's what we're doing. We have four drivers in each car.
3: Six hour shifts? Uh, well, each driver has to do what six hour shifts?
2: Um, I'm not actually going to say what we're going to do. <laughs>
3: strategy already Ah, holding those Uh, cards close to his chest here
2: uh, you know Hammer well by now (laughs) 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 I'm not I can tell you this much I'm not racing I got a puppy (laughs) I got a puppy coming so and our team's better off that I'm not
3: I think the I think the 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 most important part of the 24 hours, if you do get to participate in, is if you're the middle of the night guy, don't fall asleep and crash the car. Wow. That's insane. Dang.
2: So I'm looking forward to the 24 hour. I'm going to have that thing on my Apple TV in the background or something. I got a puppy coming, so. <laughs> Which reminds me, I might not be here next week. What we got next here? Flying through this thing.
1: We have the 20 dollars sim racing the car racing button box um, I had a the youtube um, guy's name is i many 99 he shows you how to build a sim racing button box um, gives you the links uh, to get the the board the buttons the toggle switches, the USB extension total cost is 18 twenty nine um, and he does have a video that is 13 minutes long showing you how to put it together. So, uh, nice job. Box. Maybe I need to put one together. I don't have one of those yet. I still look for buttons on my keyboard <laughs> while I'm racing.
2: Well, that's a good piece of information.
1: No, it doesn't. Uh, I-
2: Season patch notes? Did anybody read those? Well, they supposedly fixed a couple of the Um, One of the things we talked about last week With the dynamic track and the uh, frames per second But The big one for all the NASCAR people If you didn't hear already We're going to get the Ford Mustang pace car back (laughs) (laughs)
3: Woohoo I I I think that'd be awesome
2: Disqualify the pace car (laughs) Disqualify the pace car, Carlos
1: Michael Main. Did a post forum post about the iRacing graphics settings walkthrough. Um, and I quote, he says, I created a walkthrough in a way to help those having issues with poor performance and maybe help those with decent performance possibly gain more. I did not touch on every single aspect or possible aspect mostly because I forgot to. Um, I of more info on locking a game's frames per second. Some games recommend this feature because with the increase per seconds. the physics engine speed will also increase. Um, this can cause funky things to happen. iRacing is not like this, as the physics are not tied to the graphics and are completely separate. Um, his video is about 22 minutes long and um, goes through the graphics settings walkthrough. If um, he's having issues or bad graphics, um,
3: check it out. I think it'll be an interesting... Ah. Uh uh i know a lot of people are kind of struggling maybe a little bit with the the DirectX 11 upgrade and i know for me with a i have a little bit of an older processor uh trying to get you know my graphics set right for what my machine can run currently uh this this kind of gives me a little bit better idea of what i need to be working with so i think this is uh something that i like seeing uh it's just kind of it's kind of nice to see someone who uh, knows a lot about what's going on, giving everybody uh, detailed information about so, about what to do with their graphics. So they're not freaking out, and going, "Oh my gosh, but my graphics don't work," and I can't. I want to buy a new computer, and I I can't even afford this. And it kind of helps people that are maybe a little bit more on the budget mind what they can do with their graphics to still pull uh, the performance out of their machine that they're still looking for.
1: Yeah, a few members commented how they switched some things that he suggested, and they picked up thirty plus frames per second instantly. So, yeah, this keep is in mind.
3: Yeah, this is something I'm definitely going to watch, um, probably later on tonight.
1: Next topic should be um, by sorry form posting oval being rammed at start intentional jump start. Um. I guess people are going around on the outside and trying to pass people with the green flag as soon as they Um Vern Kukas wrote, this is one exception to this. If you leave pit road and accelerate continuously around the track without any pause and happen to arrive at the track at the back of the field at the moment the green is shown, you can continue on without slowing and pass. Keep in mind that you can only pass to the right of the inside pacing line. Or if race control had wanted you in the outside pacing line, to the right of both lines. um, This will not be an exception soon, and will be added to the sporting code that this will not be allowed going forward.
2: I don't know where he's seeing that. I'm sure it's happening, because Vern's pretty credible. But I've been watching, probably, or had people in every A-race for all of 2017, And in the A Open Series, in the top and the second split, I haven't seen somebody do that run around the field and pass everybody on the outside, and I've heard nothing about it. And these guys would say something if it happened. (laughs) But I suspect that this happens at Daytona a lot in Talladega. You can get a huge run up on the field, suck up on the draft, go three wide and pass everybody in turn one and two. It's kind of famous. Nobody with any ethics does it, though. Yeah,
3: I had a actually I had a similar situation happen in a race, but not quite to the extent that Vern's talking about. Basically, what they did was uh, tail into the field type deal. They laid back as far as they could. I would say, you know, before they you know before they start saying you have to catch the car in front of you, and they just kind of anticipated the green flag and drove around four of us right off the start. Um you know, typical
2: I, speedway games.
3: Yeah, it, it's just that's what you to saying. It just kind of seems to be typical speedway games, is what you, exactly what you just said. Um, right. Oh, right. It, that's
2: what that's, you do in top split and in the second split. If there's five splits, the top three you know the outside line knows better, and both of the lines just hug the wall, and you can't do a thing.
3: Yeah, that, I know the. I was in a uh, super speedway race, uh, second split, and. We did the exact same thing. We hugged the outside wall until the green.
2: Oh, it's good to know they'll have it in the sporting code, but I think it would have been protestable anyway.
3: Yeah, yeah more, more than likely.
1: I've seen it happen a few times, and, and when it does happen, everybody jumps on that person on chat. You know, it's just... It doesn't make any sense. You know, nine times out of ten, you're not going to make it, um, and you're going to wreck half the field out, unless you're just know one of those people that just doesn't care um which you know i'm glad getting up in the higher splits you see more and more people actually care instead of just probably purposely dumping people
2: good post burn but there was a post on the forums about dirt
3: yes (laughs) Yes. i cannot wait i think everybody's excited well i know i'm excited just like i said i'm a dirt guy that's what i grew up doing it's what i love but the one thing uh, Steve Myers posted here is uh, they've been everybody's been wanting to know why the you know why they've been so quiet in updates and it sounds like they've made a lot of progress here. Um, Says so as of last night, him and Dave K has put in the one of the biggest items that they needed uh, before before it can pass off the official testing of dirt. Uh, the project is having the physics actually moving the dirt on the track. Uh, They said they still have a bunch of things to tweak, potentially implement all systems, but they're they're not making any promises. This could possibly, if some major hurdles are cleared, obviously, it could be officially put into alpha testing next week. And this was posted yesterday on the 13th, which I'm super excited for personally. But the one thing that I've stressed to everybody that's wanting dirt right now, let these guys get it right first. We don't want 9 million patches over this to make it correct. Let them get the product the way they want it, the way it's mastered. I don't care if I have to wait two or three years for it. Just let the product be good right from the get-go. And I'm sure there's a lot of others that probably feel the same way as well.
2: So for the people who don't understand what alpha means, essentially they've gone through the development phase they're sending it into the first phase of testing and then there will be a second phase of testing and then it'll get released. That's the sequencing. There's a bunch of other stuff that happens along the way in there, but, and their traditional, te- um, traditional alpha baiting testing, they're off to the first, you know, monumental phase of testing. So relax, just wait it out.
3: <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. And then- it's not going to be the end of the world. if This is not released within the next few months. I think if, like I said, to get it right, I I read, I think everybody would rather see this, this completely, this, this completely awesome, uh, great service, uh, as far as dirt goes to be correct and get something where everybody says this is broken and that is broken. Let them get this correct and make it the best possible product for us to enjoy.
1: I really love Steve Meyer's comment. It says, I should add that anyone that drives a 410 wing sprint car in real life their head examined. I crashed five out of five times before turn one trying to turn a lap yesterday before my surgically repaired shoulder called it quits. All of the sprint cars are mental but that one is just insane. I cannot wait to drive it. That's all I'm going to say. I can't wait to drive it, light the dirt. I think...
2: Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I, well, I think I think
3: <laughs> I, I think Carlos and I were talking about this. So one night um, we we're kind of talking about it. I mean, we both were. You know, Carlos obviously was looking forward to the late model stuff, and uh, I was looking forward to the sprint car stuff. And actually, we got talking about the horsepower ratio. You know, and the wing sprint car is roughly 900 plus horsepower. That's at the engine, not directly to the rear wheels. I mean, there might be a few that are getting close there, but. Um, But you're also looking at a 1,400-pound race car, too. So something that's extremely light and extremely powerful, and it could be a blast.
1: Um, He also goes on to say, because I honestly don't think we'll make an official 410 unwinged series. It might be just reserved for league and hosted racing. It's fun as hell to drive, but I would be terrified trying to race people in it with SR on. That was from Steve, so I don't know if we're going to have the only, uh Sprint as a series, or if it's just going to be unhosted.
2: I'm still not going to read into that. I'm going to wait until the series comes up before you talk about whether or not it'll be a series or not. It's just all speculation.
3: Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. And it depends on what ends up happening within testing and everything. Um, and there might be you know, they might end up figuring something out to make it even better, where it's maybe maybe more drivable for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome I'm not gonna lie, that'd yes. be a blast
1: That would be a blast
2: Everybody's getting taxed now Yeah yep. Hey, you know what There's a Probably, I forget, I didn't look at the forums I should've, it was like 27 pages <laughs> Or something as of this morning That thing, anytime Dollar value comes up in iRacing the Controversy is off the hook it's been pretty civil so far, though, i got to say, and there's been a lot of interesting opinions. I lived in Europe for three months, four months. I've been there a lot. They have way high taxes over there, but that's got to be tough being i an iRacing trying to understand the tax codes from everybody everywhere. So I don't envy that situation, but essentially what iRacing said in the release is that they're not absorbing taxes anymore, and everybody's going to get taxed if taxes apply. In the United States we've already been getting taxed depending on what state you're in, so hopefully I summed that up about right. You did. So you're getting taxed if you're in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of impactful though. Some people pay like over twenty five percent taxes and stuff, so for them it, it looks like a major price hike, but it's just it's unfortunate it has to be that way, but iRacing doesn't get anything out of it, as far as I know. It's a transfer from the user straight to the government. So, I don't know if you guys noticed, but we had um, a couple of problems with the servers over the last couple of nights. I
1: heard and something about that.
2: We call them mechanical failures on our team, basically. Because <laughs> you can't control them. You, can, you can't control them and... And you can't control it in real life a lot of times, so that's kind of the mentality we use. But essentially, iRacing's been getting some DDoS attacks, and they haven't, whoever's doing them isn't doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Who, uh, take that as you want, but the service is up and running. Some people are getting dropped, not everybody's getting dropped, but they made it sound like they're dealing with them, and I, for the most part, they are, but there's been some hiccups with it, so. I, don't know. I mean, it's kind of juvenile, if you ask me. But we could go on and on about how juvenile it is. It's a bummer, though.
1: I, I hope it doesn't happen for the 24-hour race, you know, next week. There's a lot of people looking forward to it. A lot of teams that have put a lot of hours behind the wheel. Uh, you know.
2: If you go into it expecting it to happen, it'll happen to everybody. And then whoever... Does, survives that, the best will win the race, so it'll be like the nineteen fifties and everybody had to put a new engine in. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Stuff happens, it's part of the world. Gotta deal with it. <laughs> we finished twentieth, two laps down, so it's a fun race still. Oscar's gonna run down the NIS again with the forty cars per split, in case people didn't hear it last week we got the 40 cars per split, and they're 50% races with some undetermined full-length signature races. That'll be full-length. So. And unfortunately, with that, guys, I'm going to have to bail out on you here.
1: Well, Hammer, thank you for being here and helping out with the podcast, and you're welcome back anytime.
2: Yeah, 10 you guys have a good night. Special thanks to my team and all uh, my friends and I raising our sponsors, and uh, hats off to Tafasi and you guys here at iRacer's Lodge. I'm a big fan, obviously. We'll see you later.
1: All right. We'll catch you later. All right, Carlos. Final thoughts. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I, I hope everybody has a good 24-hour race next weekend. Um, take your time. Don't get in too much of a rush. Let people buy. Um, a lot of people put a lot of time, effort, track time into this. Um, Want to so, there, Good luck to everybody that's running it. Uh, from Racers Lounge, Team Typosi. Um, you know, I Racers Lounge. We want to know what our listeners want to hear. If you have an idea or a new topic, or would like to hear more of a topic we already cover, drop a comment on YouTube, our Twitter account at Typhosi Racing, and Facebook at Typhosi Racing. Um, you know, Team Typhosi is currently recruiting drivers to our team. You got what it takes fit in our crowd then feel free to speak up and talk to one of our admins um get a hold of us the goal of the show is to make sure you know more about iRacing than your friends check us out on twitter at iRacersLounge live like us on facebook at iRacersLounge subscribe to our youtube channel at iRacersLounge and bookmark our website at www.iracerslounge.com y'all have a good night
0: Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us at our YouTube channel at iRacers Lounge. Follow on Twitter and Facebook at iRacers Lounge and SoundCloud at iRacers Lounge. See you on the track.